0: All right. Welcome back to Who Knew We Didn't. I'm Megan and my partner in podcast here is Marta. Hey yo! We are so happy to have you all here with us for another episode. And before we dive in, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. And a quick reminder to rate or subscribe Who Knew We Didn't on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us so much, especially with reviews. Uh, It helps us reach out to new listeners. Uh, But feedback, by the way, is really helpful. It helps us learn more about what you like like and what you don't like and improve the podcast overall and we've had a lot of fun so far hearing from people so thank you to everyone who's reached out and we'd love to hear more Uh, anyway, for this week, we are talking about relationships, uh, really for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to start off today by discussing a few types of non-romantic relationships. So that will be everything from acquaintances to friendships, to coworkers. Uh, next week, we're going to move on to the psychology of family dynamics. And the following week, we're going to wrap things up with romantic relationships, So a quick definition for y'all, relationship is the way in which two or more people or concepts or objects, if you want to get philosophical about it, are connected. It is the state of being connected, and it's how we regard each other, how we behave toward each each other. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what a relationship is, and that's what we're going to be talking about today and for the next couple of episodes. So for now, I'm going to hand things over to Marta. Why don't you start us off with our first topic for discussion today?
1: Yeah, so for today, I was researching acquaintances and friendships, so the difference between the two, uh, and we were originally going to go, I was going to cover acquaintances, you were going to do work relationships, and I was going to do friendships, but I found while I was researching that these two things, acquaintances and friendships, like one
0: kind of melds into the other, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's very tough to separate them, so I'm going to do. work relationships kind of too, like you have acquaintances at work, you have friends at work, so yeah, like, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to do both of mine together. Um, and another thing is while I was researching this, I was going into it with the mindset that I wanted to talk about dynamics. So like if somebody acts one way, what makes you act like react in a certain way in a friendship versus make you react a certain way in an acquaintance ship, acquaintanceship. Acquaintance. I actually would believe that to be right. I'll Google it. All right. While you're Googling. Um, so I went into it looking for dynamics information, but I actually, that's going to be way too much to cover in today's episode. Like we would go way over an hour. So I'm just going to cover
0: how these things happen. Acquaintanceship is a word. Acquaintanceship is a word. What up uh, circa thirteen hundred. Oh. It's the state of being acquainted. <laughs> uh, imagine if it was like the state of like sewing Not a quilt. Being
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something crazy. No. Uh, perfect. It's exactly what you'd think it is. <laughs> Good, perfect. <Yeah. laughs> so I I went in instead with my research direction into looking at what it takes to form acquaintances, acquaintances Oh my God, this is going to be a mess. <laughs> what it takes to form relationships with acquaintances and how they develop into friendships and like the aspects that you need in order to classify it as a friendship. Uh, and then maybe someday down the line, we can go into dynamics.
0: That's a good point, actually, and it's probably a good point to say early on is that, like, we're covering these topics pretty generally, but I think both of us found as we were going through our research for this topic, like... Any of the subtopics we bring up could be a whole episode. Like you could, you could really talk for hours about how people interact with each other. So yeah, we probably will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And like every study I, I, cause I come, I do the general overview and then I try to find like studies to support yeah the overview and it, every study was interesting enough to cover On its own. And I just remembered back to our social media episode, I covered, I think, three or four studies and you covered three or four studies. And that took us over an hour. And so imagine if we were doing overview and studies, it would just be nuts. So yeah, maybe specific studies some other day. I do have some, but I didn't like dive into them. So if you guys want to hear more about any specific study, tell us. Yeah. Yeah,
0: We can like, obviously if we, if you're interested, we can post links and stuff to the studies that we researched. But if you're interested in hearing about a specific study, let us know and we can maybe focus on that in a future episode. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or we could
0: just talk about it for you. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Acquaintances, how you become an acquaintance with somebody really is just like, it could be anybody in your vicinity. Um, it, You just need interaction with people. Interaction breeds liking. So the more that you interact with people, the more that you end up liking them because you have more and more experiences together. Uh, We tend to like people that are similar to us and we tend to gravitate towards people who are better looking. uh, But personality characteristics also mediate attractiveness. So if somebody is like the type of personality that you like, you might find them more attractive based on their
0: personality. Or like even somebody very attractive you could find super unattractive if you don't like their personality.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's acquaintances. How what Something that's really cool that I found with acquaintances and friendships, I found a lot of study about how they uh, affect well-being. So how having many friendships affects people. Um, and just... Like, every study, like, case over case, people with strong friendships and family bonds enjoy greater emotional well-being. Uh, they have better, better psychological and physical health and even increased longevity. So they, like, live longer if they have stronger social circles. Yeah. Um, we tend to have about 4 to 10 people as close ties in our lives. So if you say, like, oh, I have 30 best friends, it's unlikely, but... You know, maybe you're that kind of person. Uh, and then acquaintances, like somewhat close, people who you'd still probably like text or invite to a party, but you don't hang out and like, is that what you consider an acquaintance? Well, because the reason I'm saying this is because it's still a low number. It's twelve to forty. okay. So like people who you'd invite to your wedding, there we go.
0: well, that's not that's not that's a friend or that's an acquaintance acquaintance, I would say. Well, Okay, so I'm a bad judge because I'm not inviting like anyone
1: (laughs) to my wedding. Well, okay, so here's where it gets kind of sticky. Like, the the research doesn't really delineate what point an acquaintance becomes a friend. A lot, some of them actually refer to friends as acquaintances. They're just close acquaintances. So the only like clear line kind of was drawn for romantic relationships. Uh, so here it says somewhat close. It doesn't okay. even say acquaintance. It just says somewhat close. Um, and then a study found that over a hundred days, we tend to interact with around 440 people. Whoa. Yeah. So just have like brief interactions with, so that would be 44 interactions per day. Nope. That's not it. 4.4 4
0: interactions per day. Oh, I was going to say 44 is a high number. I've probably done it on a busy day, <laughs> but.
1: That's, that's a busy day. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then here's where I'm going to jump jump into some studies. So Jillian Sandstrom and Elizabeth Dunn, they're like a researching duo that has done a lot of research on this topic, like well-being and personal ties recently. Um, and they found that in one study, they found that people with a greater number of casual acquaintances tend to be happier. So more interactions with acquaintances means you're more happy. Uh, what was interesting about this study is I, when I read it, I was like, okay, but... Does it mean that happier people tend to interact with more people? Like if you're happier, you are more willing to interact with people or are you... That interaction
0: makes you happy. Yeah, like which way does the relationship
1: go? So they actually tested it. They had two groups of people. One group was instructed to have a genuine social interaction with the cashier or barista at a Starbucks. And the other person was told to just go in and buy a coffee. So both groups were told go in and buy a coffee. But one of them was told also the extra instructions of talk to your barista whatever the people who were instructed to talk to their barista and have a genuine interaction afterwards rated like that they were feeling much happier
0: yeah well not much happier but they were rating rated happier i believe that i actually always feel like a little bit of pep in my step after having a good interaction with somebody in a store or like like yeah. a stranger yeah totally yeah, yeah. where you're just like oh he, you've helped them or like there's just something positive where you have a laugh together
1: That's yeah good. yeah my uh one of the guys I work with um one of the guys I coordinate with at snow school they I don't know he said so, today we were skiing Um, and we both decided to go the same way at the same time. And it was just funny that like we had read each other's mind. And then later on we did the same thing at the same time again. And he's like, did we just become best friends? And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I think so. And like, it was just such a good interaction. It just made my whole day Yeah. because like, yes, you're feeling connected, but also just, I don't know. It just makes your
0: day. So I totally put belief into that theory that absolutely interactions breed happiness the few times that I go to Toronto and I stop in at the Starbucks near our office I'm like I try to be really nice to the ladies because also like also they if have a bad ever, it's easy for them to have a bad day when I worked in that type of job it was really easy to have a bad day based on your yeah. customers and so if you've ever worked retail nice yeah. yeah you tend to be a nice person to retail employees yeah absolutely and it always like like i Kind of walk back with a little more confidence with my coffee and my good interaction in my pocket. Megan just like mimed walking back in her seat, like holding her coffee. And it was great. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, and then there was another study of people who were generally rating that they were feeling pretty lonely. Uh, They were given different sets of advice. Uh, And one, well, not advice, but like maybe tips or like things to try. And in one of the groups, they were told to try to increase their interactions with people, like whether superficial or otherwise, Mm -hmm. those people came back with decreased feelings of loneliness. Oh. Yeah. So friendships or acquaintances are... Really good for you. Or acquaintanceships, as we've learned. Is a word. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Friendships typically include a number of features. I'm going to list them here. Kindness, love, virtue, sympathy, empathy, honesty, altruism, loyalty, mutual understanding, compassion, trust, enjoyment of each other's company, and ability to be oneself without the fear of being rejected or judged. Um, And... The reason that friendships hold these features is, well, I think, or from the research that I found, it's called social connectedness. So there are six components that help a person determine the quality of their interactions. Um, And then based on these six components, like how strong or like how fully they're being fulfilled, then it allows people to show empathy and to show or to have like virtue and honesty and altruism, that sort of thing. So the better the relationship, the more those things are expressed. Mm -hmm. So the six components are duration of the relationship. So the longer the relationship, it tends to make it, it tends to make people determine the quality as better, um, the frequency of the interaction. So if it's somebody that you only see like once a year, you tend to value it less, or you tend to rate it as less like lower quality knowledge of the other person's goals, which is something that I found really interesting. Like Knowledge of goals is really
0: specific. That is really specific. Yeah,
1: compared to like, oh, duration is like kind of general, like whatever. Yeah. But knowledge of goals. So if you know what another person like wants, like their
0: hopes and dreams, it makes you kind of value. I've like that really resonates with me. And yeah. actually, like duration and that <clears throat> sort of thing, uh, proximity doesn't hold as true for me. Like, I I have a lot of long distance friendships and I'm really okay with that because I have things like A good understanding of their goals.
1: Well, it's funny that you said proximity because I didn't say that yet.
0: Oh, sorry. I I said frequency of of interaction. I I associated (laughs) it with that. But my bad.
1: um, So that's there. It kind of proximity isn't like explicitly stated but there's no, frequency I didn't mean to put
0: that word in your mouth no that's I okay <laughs> there's a
1: frequency of interaction and then there's also physical intimacy so that's like closeness closeness physically but also like of course in romantic relationships there's more touching kissing hugging whatever yeah um and so that strengthens the bond but even between friends like an acquaintance if you think of the acquaintances in your life you kind of never touch them yeah but, like, my own personal friends, like, will hug or, like, if we're sitting beside each other on the couch and our legs are touching, like, that's not awkward. Yeah. But with an acquaintance, I'd, like, you'd be very cognizant of that leg touch. So it's, it's again, resonates with me. Next, self-disclosure to the other person. So self-disclosure is when you tell people, like, your feelings, your emotions, your goals, that sort of thing. It's when you are sharing your own
0: yourself yeah Yeah,
1: when you're sharing yourself so the more that you self-disclose um the closer that it makes the other person feel um and social network familiarity so the more friends of the other person that you know the closer you feel to the main person oh okay yeah okay or if they're like really into your social network like if for example you were to know my entire family and then my friends from high school that sort of thing like it would strengthen our bond yeah according to the social connectedness theory. That
0: feels right. Yeah. When I think of my own friendships or acquaintanceships. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the social connectedness theory, people can, there's a measure where you can rate um, your level of social connectedness with a person and it's called the personal acquaintance measure. So it's developed to help people measure their connectedness to another individual. And it just basically rates the relationship based on these six attributes. Oh, so there's also another, uh, well, just like another tenet that I wanted to talk about. Acquaintances tend to turn into being friends um, through a series of processes. So at the beginning, when you guys are, when you're an acquaintance with somebody, partners tend to exchange rewards. So it's called an exchange relationship. So it's like, what, if I'm nice to you and I do this for you, I expect that in the future I'll get something back. Or like, there's something in it for me. It's not usually like altruism based or it doesn't, tend to be so that's an exchange relationship but as it starts to progress into a um into a deeper friendship it starts to turn into a communal relationship Mm -hmm. so you tend to do things out of empathy or out of care for the person rather than like expecting something back and that's part of the transition into like a closer friendship or even a romantic relationship as opposed to an acquaintanceship huh
0: yeah that makes me think of a really old good friend of mine uh she had this thing this way of phrasing it she called it the friendship bank and it was (laughs) like just like anything it would be like like I would uh she would like pay for my coffee or you know do something like that where it would be like I would be a little like oh you know thank you you don't have to do that or something and she's like no dude friendship bank like that it's just I'll get you. You'll get me. Like, that's just how it is. That's sweet. I had a
1: friend uh, in high school who always got really, really anxious when I'd offer to pay for something or if I paid for something, she'd always be trying to pay me back. Mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Like, you don't have the cash. You'll get me back.
0: Yeah. Friendship bank.
1: Friendship bank. That's That's it. That's a really good phrase. Yeah. Yeah. So close relationships, people tend to have connection involving strong and frequent cognitive, behavioral, and affective interdependence. So part of the difficulty I came into when researching close friendships or, like, best friends, uh, as colloquially termed uh, best friends, is it was tough to find the line in literature between romantic relationships and close friendships. Because, for example, this says, like, the, one of the articles that I was reading was talking about close relationships, but when they started talking about like interdependence and like relying on the other person and like investing in them emotionally and whatever and it felt like yes, this could be a friendship, but it feels more like you're talking about romantic relationships yeah, to me so I know what you mean. it was a weird line and so some of the things that I wrote down I was like, okay, I don't know if I should talk about this because it feels like a romantic relationship type thing um. So maybe that's just relationships, though. Like maybe those, like they're weird maybe lines. they're the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another thing that I that struck me as maybe romantic relationship more more romantically focused was there's two theories of relationship types: uh, the growth theory and the destiny theory. So growth theory means if you have disagreements or if uh, something's not working the way that you want it to between you and the other person you believe that you both can grow and learn to be better people for each other versus destiny. If there's a disagreement or something bad happens, you tend to just think, okay, well, this person's not meant to be my friend or this person's mm-hmm. not meant for me. This is this idea is referenced a lot in romantic relationship
0: studies, but it came up in my friendship studies. Oh, so. I think that totally applies to friendships, 100%. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, then just like personally, I can think of uh, situations in both cases and also like a lot of things like, uh, you read like on the internet where it's sort of, it's like those motivational posters. Like if this person isn't giving you this and this and this, they're not meant to be in your life or something like that. I get very frustrated by those things because like, like, so what, you're just going to give up on people? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I have the same sort of reaction. I do think that at some point there does come a time where if it's bad, you got to make a break yeah uh, but uh as with any relationship romantic or not but um yeah yeah that rings true yeah okay and I think well, it definitely applies to friendships as much as it does romantic relationships. romantic relationships
1: yeah. um on a different note kind of there's a suggestion there's an interesting piece of research I came across that suggests that the link that you feel like you know how some people when you meet them it just feels like okay we're gonna be besties and like there's just an immediate happiness that you feel around them and then some people you don't feel that closeness and Mm -hmm. happiness to like it feels almost like in your animal brain yeah like it's happening so there's a suggestion by evolutionary psychologists that it's actually an evolutionary thing that like your brain is programmed to react a certain way to certain types of people I couldn't find the full like article itself. So I couldn't. Oh, that's too bad.
0: That's so interesting.
1: (laughs) But it's like, it had something to do with like smells, I think. Yeah. Like pheromones or something. I could be completely wrong. It could have to do with facial cues. I don't know. But there was a really cool snippet of an article that I saw and I was like, I'm going to mention this even though I don't know jack shit. (laughs)
0: It feels really real. I thought of like three or four different people you being one of them where it was like Uh I felt like an automatic I was a lot more reserved with you than because of our work relationship but um I was like be my friend be my friend yeah (laughs) yeah yeah where I was like yes okay like we can get closer and closer to that line but we have to stay a little back like it took me a while to to be ready for that but um yeah like I did feel an immediate like when we met um, I felt an immediate like I like this person like outside of this realm cool um and I've had that with a few other people as well, where it was like, I've known you for an hour and like, we let's go out tonight. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting, like that, I've been told that by a couple people that they're like, oh, I felt like I was friends instantly with you. Yeah. And I tend to try to be friends with people instantly. But one of the things like, you know, how there was the six tenants, mm-hmm. um, duration, frequency of whatever, whatever. One of them is self-disclosure. And I tend to self disclose almost aggressively. Like I'm always telling people
0: That's true. Yeah. You're pretty like open with yourself.
1: Really. Yeah. 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 Like, oh hey, by the way, I suffered depression. Like obviously I'm not gonna be talk I'm not I try not to talk about myself, like talk about myself, like I'm into myself or whatever. But if somebody like I I, I have no problem being vulnerable with people, I guess like telling yeah, them, yeah. No, so the
0: same I, I feel the same way yeah. yeah like I feel like we've had lots of conversations where um it wasn't like we were talking about ourselves but like we were when things came out that we could personally relate to we weren't shy about yeah being yeah, clear yeah, yeah. that we can relate to it yeah. yeah
1: so I think that that's something that if you want to seem more friendly self-disclosure could be the way not you personally I'm looking you right in the eyes <laughs> <laughs> I just take it a- Personally. Looking at Megan dead in the eyes, but yeah, just our listeners out there—if you want to see more friendly self-disclosure, could be a way to go. But don't be like, "Oh, I shit myself last week."
0: Like, yeah, yeah. I think there's an urge <laughs> to self-disclosure a little bit. Don't least. take
1: any of advice that I'm giving today. I guess.
0: <laughs> um, what
1: else? I was going to talk about.
0: Oh, it could gender. I mean, just like being open with like your your family. Like, oh yeah, I have this is the place that I grew up or (laughs) like it it doesn't have to be like really intimate stuff. That's true. Just on the note of advice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's research on personality types and how there's like the old theories that I didn't see any new research about. So maybe it was something that's been like discredited or whatever, but there's old theories that suggest that certain personality types tend to be friends more often. And like of the 16 personality types, there's certain that are best matchups, like the
0: Myers Briggs personality yeah. types. Okay.
1: Yeah. So there's certain ones that are the best matchups, or certain ones that are like destined to clash.
0: Oh, that's so much like the zodiac signs. Yeah, and that's why when I read it, I was like, <laughs> "Sounds a little hokey to me." I don't know but... if everybody else could hear the eye roll in my voice right <laughs> <Yeah>. there, but <laughs> yeah.
1: So it sounds a little hokey to me, but I just thought I'd throw it out there that
0: I feel like there's probably a little more. Um, credibility to it
1: maybe <laughs> <laughs> you will oh, then zodiac signs yeah probably but like the idea that well I guess it just wasn't well developed like the idea that your personality dictates who you're going to be friends with and like what kind of a friend you're going to be like I think all personality types can have equally strong friendships oh
0: I agree I think it just is like maybe saying like um certain personality types have traits that complement other personality types really well and like better than others
1: you know I'm coming in I, I'm now realizing that I wish I didn't come into this already bashing it because you're totally right <laughs> <laughs> so I retract well no 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 I mean I just I mean said. like
0: like all personality types have the possibility to be friends and have like deep friendships with each other I would just say yeah I believe that some personality types have traits that blend well with others That's true. More so than others. Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. it does. Um,
1: Okay, so I'm going to tie this off with gender differences, and then I do have one interesting study that I'm just going to touch on. Bring it. Uh, So gender differences. Women tend to prefer intimacy and sharing feelings, so that's why, like, the quintessential woman's night is, like, or at least for me, my friend, uh, one of my friends, she actually texted me recently. She's like, I feel like we need a liter of wine and, like, a bunch of arts and crafts and just, like, to talk about shit and, like, That's kind of our friendship, like a jug of wine, not usually a jug, usually it's just a bottle, but like wine and emotional intimacy, like talking about our feelings and emotions and whatever, um, versus men tend to enjoy, enjoy shared activities. So like my idea of, for example, Calvin, when he hangs out with his buddies, like they're always usually doing doing something. something. Yeah. Or like just even hanging out, like seeing each other versus like for me and my friend Tanya, if I just call her like, and we just, like, vent to each other on the phone, like, that – I I get value from that as well.
0: It's funny. Um, I'm thinking of two people really specifically um, in my own life, and it's very, very true. Um, Taylor and his brother, they, like – They are, hang. Are t- super tight. Yeah. yeah. But when they hang out, they play NHL. Like, they play video games together. Like, they're about shared activities. And when um, – and I'm really close with his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And when we get together – we just like hang out like we we get a bottle of wine and we go for a walk or like (laughs) you know we just like hang out and talk and share and like that's what we like to do like they when they come over usually we have a shared activity that we do together but often the two of us or like the four of us will split into two groups and they'll chill and hang and play video games and we'll like go wander around town and or we'll like like we're, we're good to be silent together. We're good to intimacy. Yeah. We're good to just like be intimate with each other, not like emotionally, like emotionally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, women and men, those are the differences with like what they prefer to do or like how they, how they pull value. Um, they tend to be satisfied with relationships when arguments are avoided, which is interesting that, it was stated that way rather than just saying like when they have good times, it's like when there is an argument that they can avoid, that's when women find like satisfaction from their relationships. I don't know how much weight I put into that, but men tend to be satisfied with spending time with each other, Hmm. which is just a reiteration of doing activities together. Women tend to report more anxiety, jealousy, and relational victimization from their relationships for negative things that they report, and men tend to report um, higher levels of physical victimization. So men tend to beat on each other more often. Women tend to emotionally tear each other apart, which is, for me,
0: rings very true or rings very familiar. I don't know of many male relationships where there was, like, actually a physical altercation. Like a scuffle? Yeah,
1: yeah. But like if you think about acquaintances, like I know Calvin's gotten into a bar fight. I haven't gotten into a bar fight. Um, I don't know about many women that get into bar fights.
0: I've been in a bar fight and I don't think Taylor ever I've been, been in a, a
1: schoolyard fight. fight.
0: I don't think I was ever in a schoolyard fight.
1: Anyway. I, I established my dom- my physical dominance early on. Good work. <laughs> like don't me. I'm <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, and then I know that like any time I've had like a falling out with girlfriends or whatever, it's very like it's emotional turmoil. It's nothing that's like visible it's very like there's a lot of subtext involved yeah. in
0: it yeah yeah absolutely I'm just trying to think of like a uh, a good male friendship that I'm aware of where there was a real physical altercation between the friends
1: there's actually an episode of new girl um you know the show yeah 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 uh so there's an episode of new girl where like uh Chloe uh De Deschanel and like her friend oh, Cece yes. get in a they have like these passive aggressive like oh my god oh my yeah. god every, yeah everything's fine yeah yeah it's yeah. totally fine yep yep like so it's just like it's kind of like a caricature portrayal but like the women th- like one of them sends her like a smiley face emoji and then the other Jess is like what Cece sent me a smiley face I'll send her a like waving face and a car and a scooter <laughs> like, and I don't know it's weird and it's again a caricature but I don't know. Kind of supports our theory here. And then the guys, like the roommates, they one of them says something stupid, and the other one like doesn't like it, and so he gut punches him. Yeah, they
0: have a SWAT match, or that's what I would call it, where (sighs) like they just SWAT at each other. Yeah, Yeah. or like
1: one of them, like one of them actually just like flicks the other one like on the nuts, (laughs) and he's like, "Yeah, okay, got it." And then they're fine afterwards.
0: Oh, that's totally a thing that I've seen happen between male friendships. What am I talking about? Yeah. So, if that's the if that's the Physical. I think a physical altercation when you said that, I was imagining, like, a true brawl.
1: Like a true brawl. Yeah. Well, that would be the same as, like, women emotionally eviscerating each other. It doesn't happen often.
0: I suppose that's true.
1: Uh, But what's interesting is that both women and men tend to report equal amounts of, like, quality gained from friendships. So... That's nice to hear that everybody's benefiting equally. Um, And then the interesting study that I promised. So research by McLennan and... His associates measured the heart heart rates of cattle and they showed that cows were more stressed when alone or with an unfamiliar cow than when oh. they were with friends. Uh, they let this lends support to the idea that cows are social animals capable of forming close bonds with each other. Yeah. And this research has been supported with other, like of the more intelligent animals, that they actually have friendships and there's like certain Cattle that they like more than others. And so it's just like really sweet and we all want friends. (laughs) So even cows. Yeah, even cows. That's a
0: really real thing that's um true for for cows and humans too. Like um when like I grew up on a dairy farm, right? So um there when strangers come into the farm, like the cows certainly notice that they don't know this new person there. But even if I'm not there for months if I come back in, they're not um they recognize that I'm more familiar than somebody else. Yeah. And I remember uh early on when Taylor and I were dating, the first time that I brought him home to meet my family, uh, they needed help on the farm. So we like went and helped milk uh yeah. for a couple of shifts. And Taylor had never milked a, a cow before. And so he was going in and my dad was warning him, like, you know, they might be skittish around you because they don't know you. And like, it would be, I was having no trouble, like, just getting in there and doing it. And yeah. no one's putting up a fight or, you know, skittish or walk, moving around or anything like that. But yeah. yeah, both probably the fact that Taylor was new and the fact that he was a little nervous. Oh. did, Like, they weren't like they like, who's shaking? It wasn't bad, but yeah, right <laughs> there was just this sort of like we're uncomfortable next to each otherness oh, to that's it. So sweet, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: that's everything that I had for cool. friends and acquaintances.
0: Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, I guess I'll get into work relationships. I think I will eventually get to a point where there is some overlap with uh, what Marta has shared today. Uh, but some general things for work relationships, like uh, there's there's a lot of different kinds of work-based relationships. So there's um, superior and subordinate relationships. There's peer co-workers. Uh, we develop work friendships and uh, even sometimes romantic relationships in the workplace. And then, of course, there's difficult co-workers, sometimes to the extent of like a workplace bully. And there's also uh, family relationships at work, like family businesses or something like that. Huh. So as I was going through my research, like that's kind of how I tried to break it out. Okay. Uh, because there are a lot of different types of relationships at work, so all of these things could probably be discussed more in depth. But I'll do as good a job as I can in the time that I have uh, to cover all of them at least uh, a little. Sounds good. Yeah. So uh, work work relationships define a lot about how you're going to feel about your time and your work environment, and uh, like a great group of coworkers can make. Uh, shitty work, really fun and a poor group of coworkers or animosity between you and your boss or anything like that. Uh, That's like one of the number one reasons why somebody will actually leave a job, even if they enjoyed the work that they're doing. Um, It can also be kind of tricky to navigate these kinds of relationships. Like how do you walk the line between being good coworkers, but also feeling like some of these people are your friends or like developing sort of an enemy at work or you know, a love interest or something like that. How do you walk that line and still work together? So I want to start off by talking about the superior subordinate relationship. So like the interaction between somebody who is an authority figure over you or the opposite, somebody over whom you have authority. Uh, So I found this thing uh, called the Hawthorne effect, which is also referred to as the observer effect. And it's a type of reactivity where the individual's will actually modify an aspect of their behavior in response to the awareness that they're being observed. So basically like a manager's approach has effects on the outcome of their team and the habits of a superior person, like an authority figure at work, tend to have the power to create a productive or a counterproductive environment. Um, like the, there's another theory called the leader membership theory, and it's believed to be the most widely accepted theory regarding superior and subordinate relationships. And the main premise is that employees with the easiest access to information are the most likely to succeed. And that employees with higher quality relationships with their supervisors have more access to that information and are therefore more likely to succeed. Brown nosers. Yeah, I guess that's how you could sum it up. I'm a brown noser. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, In a study called Workplace Relationship Quality and Employee Information Experiences. Mouthful. That's a mouthful. Very obvious name. So you know it's academic, Um, (laughs) they examined the extent to which the amount of quality of work-related information employees received was associated with the quality of their relationships with peers and immediate supervisors. And the results indicated that supervisor-subordinate relationship quality was positively related to the amount and quality of information employees received from their immediate supervisor it also indicated that the quality of information employees received from their supervisors and their coworkers was positively related to their job satisfaction and commitment to their job. So, basically, like good sharing of communication and information with your coworkers helps to foster better relationships and improve everybody's job satisfaction.
1: Makes sense. Yeah,
0: especially if you have a supervisor role. You know what I just realized?
1: Because you said you found like a lot of research about this. The, and like a lot of varied research. Of course, there's a ton of research because this is a whole branch of study in psychology yeah. called, called IO, like industrial organizational psychology. Yeah. First of all, it pays really well. So I like <laughs> that's I was kind of targeting myself at IO when I was graduating my undergrad and I worked in an industrial organizational lab. And I my thesis was based on a relationship between a uh, supervisor
0: and a subordinate i don't know why i didn't even think about this why didn't you do work relationships I don't, and i do like, i'm a moron we, you specifically chose friendships. <laughs> yeah i did <laughs> i did we should have switched this shit around but whatever while you're talking about supervisors
1: and subordin- subordinates um the m- my thesis like i might as well just toss in yeah. my finding here so it was self-perceived felt trust or felt trust so how trusted a subordinate felt by their supervisor improved their uh, mediated their motivation in a task so Mm -hmm. we had like a task that we had like a team work on this computer game and you had to do a number of tasks on the computer game and the some teams would drop off really soon some teams would be like really persistent and work a lot longer and be more motivated to succeed uh so we'd made them do like five tasks and then we gave them a feedback sheet and the feedback sheet either uh indicated high levels of trust from the supervisor or low levels of trust people with high levels of trust tended to be more motivated people with low levels of trust tended to be less motivated Hmm. so yeah that was just a finding that's the only time
0: i'll ever talk about my thesis apparently so there you go, guys. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, if it if it comes up again, you know, pipe in at any time. Um, uh, that that was really the extent to which I was going to talk about uh, su- superior and and subordinate, subordinate relationships. Just because I have a lot of other types of relationships that I want to discuss. But... I will shut up now. No, no, no. It's fine. Like seriously, all of these things could be episodes to themselves. Like yeah. work relationships is Legit. just like it could be. And a whole podcast. There probably are 15 podcasts about it's, <laughs> work relationships, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. We wanted to do an episode
1: on relationships. And then I was like, wait, we should parse this out into like romantic and non-romantic. And yeah. then I was like, wait, then there's family. Yeah. Wait, and then there's work. And yeah. like, even within work relationships, there's like 10 different things that we can talk about.
0: Oh, there's a hundred different, different things, things. we could talk about. Yeah. So I, we will probably get, I imagine as we go forward, we'll get more in depth on, on a lot of these different topics. But uh, I'll, I'll move on now to peers and coworkers and comrades in the workplace. Um, comrades? Yeah, I thought it sounded good. I like it. <laughs> Better than my fumbling around
1: with the word acquaintance. <laughs>
0: um, okay, so uh, first, a study I found, a 2005 study published in the journal called Communication Studies. It studied, uh, pardon me. <laughs> it studied 190 employees at a large public university to evaluate the quality of work-related information that employees receive and the quality of supervisor, subordinate, and peer co-worker relationships, um, job satisfaction, and job commitment. So, the study found that coworkers share work related information more quickly and more accurately when the relationships among the coworkers were more chummy. And also, the better the workplace relationships, the was more. Was this a British school? Uh, I don't know. Because you used the word chummy and comrades. Oh, chummy was my word. Oh. And comrade was also my word. I retract my stand. <laughs> Basically, if you like your work relationships, everybody's going to feel more satisfied at work. Um, genuine relationships, like with a good foundation of of trust, can improve workplace morale greatly. These kinds of relationships clearly provide both parties with like practical support in the workplace, but they also provide emotional and moral support. Like you, you see each other every day, you go through the same struggles, and you have a real – tangible understanding of what the other person is like going through at work like their challenges and their hurdles and shit like that like probably even more so than their family like when you go home and you confide in your partner about how shitty your day was they'll they'll work. be sympathetic to you but your co-worker will get it work bay is a total thing yeah so uh, another study i want to quote a 2009 study by rachel morrison published in auckland university's um pardon me, Auckland University of Technology's business review said that women are more likely to see workplace friendships in terms of the social and emotional support in times of stress, where men tend to view workplace friendships in terms of the benefits to their own career or in helping them complete a task or a job duty, which I think actually kind of correlates- That
1: aligns with yeah, lines well. Uh, well.
0: to what you described that it's like, uh, for men, it's more activity-based and for women, it's more um, emotional and moral. Uh Now, these relationships do have drawbacks as well. Um, In the same study for the Business Review, they reviewed 445 workers representing a large variety of industries, and when asked to describe examples of how a friendly workplace relationship made um, interferences with their work, more than 200 respondents told stories where their workplace friendship blurred boundaries, distracted employees, or hampered productivity, they didn't examine why some work relationships cause problems and others don't because like some people obviously reported back that it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so they didn't look at why some people reported one way and others did not. But it could be that people in these relationships had conflicting expectations for for the outcomes. Um, I found a, another study published in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships where they interviewed employees about workplace relationships that went sour and, and caused those rifts or pardon me, and what caused those rifts. And they found that a primary factor was when the coworker failed to live up to like friendly expectations. Um, so it could be one giving a surprisingly negative evaluation, or not getting support for an opinion or an idea like friends provide support and favor to you but things at work need to need to stay pretty objective so like where those lines are blurred or where yeah I have a different expectation than the outcome you gave me or something like that
1: that makes a lot of sense yeah and I can see like I can't think of an easy way to detangle that because like you expect your work bay to support your ideas but also if your work bay like Wholeheartedly doesn't support you. Like, if the your idea doesn't like benefit, or it, it just it isn't something that they agree with, should they agree with you just because you're your workmate,
0: or should uh, they no, disagree they with you? Um, yeah, and I'm then gonna like, get should you be okay with it? A little bit, but yeah, it's like it's like you both have to kind of do your part to get through get over it. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is kind of why I was a little hesitant in our early oh, stages of our friendship was like i i i was like i don't care i'm pretty <laughs> distant from everybody at work i make kind of a point to be pretty distant <laughs> from I everybody at work at in first order I was to mean just what's megan's deal like- <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm uh i get like a little close and then i get cold anyway um it's it's for this exact reason that 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 mm-hmm. i was sort of hesitant so anyway before getting into what to do to get out of it. Uh, Some other reasons they identified for why a good work relationship could go bad would be distracting life events or personality conflicts, which is kind of like, duh. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Personality and life events are like really obvious and understandable. Like sometimes it just doesn't work out. Um, Another point was betrayal again pretty obvious because you're you now have a challenge to regain that person's trust and like sometimes you can't if you if you feel really slighted um betrayal sounds so dramatic to me it it what it's a it's a loaded word yeah yeah Yeah, there's a lot coming behind that anyway (laughs) and then the last point was promotions can make it difficult to maintain an equal relationship balance because now one person has formal authority Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. the other person
1: oh so this study was only um looking at people who were the same level
0: uh actually no the study well i don't maybe the study didn't say that it was just sort of like hypothesizing why workplace relationships fail okay. i don't know um, but like a change in status just yeah a change in status okay. yeah exactly um so now some of the ways to avoid this kind of conflict is to make your expe- expectations clear and be equal with everybody. So be honest, respectful, and clear in your expectations and in your feedback. So like explain the reasoning behind more controversial decisions or comments to everyone, especially if you're in a, a supervisor role. Don't just like give negative criticism, like like give your rationale for it and and be clear about it. If you're a supervisor, don't favor your friends at work. Treat everybody equally and respectfully. And I would say the same is probably true for romantic relationships, by the way, that like you you might have at work. But I will probably have to circle back to that when we do the romantic New Girl talks episode. about this as well. Yeah. I just like recently binged New Girl they added on it Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. So,
1: so yeah, they cover that as well she has a work bay and she's a principal and there's a whole episode about favoritism yeah
0: yeah it's it's hard yeah and you can't you can't favor somebody at work because that isolates other people and creates awkwardness for other people in in your work environment but also if you're gonna disappoint your person who you have a romantic relationship with or something like that like it's harder for them to get over that outside of work like yeah yeah fucking messy um Anyway, <laughs> if I'm honest though, I I do think it is easier to be friends with the people that you work with or at least to have like a friendly rapport with them. Like I usually totally. stay pretty distant, but I want to have a good friendly rapport with everybody because um, it's easier to critique people who you work with when you have a friendly rapport with them. And it's easier to receive criticism when there's friendly rapport as well. Totally. I'll agree yeah. with that. Um, like the person that's giving... That criticism, they're not they're not doing it in like a threatening way or like an intimidating way. It's like mentoring and teaching and guiding and leading, as opposed to being like critical or demeaning or condescending or anything like that. Um, so now, because we've touched on this a little bit, I'll move into romantic relationships as well. Uh, and again, it'll be pretty loose because we are doing a whole other episode dedicated to this. So I don't want to go too deep into this any more than I need to. Um, so. Uh, romantic relationship at work, it could be a romantic partnership, or it could just be a sexual relationship, or it could be both. Uh, yeah, and and romantic relationships at work, they are a significant type of relationship to mention. Uh, I have personal connections to this because i met my fiance through work um and i've also watched countless friends and colleagues engage in some type of romantic relationship or sexual relationship with somebody they work with so um it's it's real um
1: yeah, i actually same. had
0: in high school i had two different sets of teachers who were married and sure. like they both worked at the same school oh that's and cool they were, yeah yeah uh one was a really adorable couple everybody loved and then another one was um everybody seemed to really like the the lady teacher, but the guy was like the meanest math teacher in our school and he was such a dick. Romantic relationships at work obviously can breed some complications, not just for the individuals involved in the relationship, but also for other employees working with those individuals. It can create polarization in the workplace and distraction, feelings of awkwardness among other employees. Um, but for the people who are involved in the romantic relationship. Um, this is shown to actually have positive results in their workplace, like increased performance, higher motivation, and higher overall job satisfaction. A huh. uh, Questionnaire done at the Department of Psychology at Montana State University looked at data from 297 respondents. Results indicated that first, females held less favorable attitudes toward romance and sexual intimacy at work than males did. That's really? Yeah. Huh. Said this study. Uh, secondly, participating in a romantic relationship with a member of the same organization was positively associated with a participant's self appraised job performance. Uh, Third, the degree of loving feelings for a current romantic partner was positively associated with an individual's own level of like inherent work motivation and job involvement and satisfaction with their type of work. So basically like people who have a good, strong romantic relationship positively correlates to that individual's own sense of motivation and involvement and satisfaction in their work. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so I don't really want to get into this topic much more right now, but we probably should do a whole episode on, um, workplace romances because it's rife with talking points. I would really like to look at how like the superior subordinate relationship, uh, aligns with romantic relationships at work specifically with the power dynamic there. Um, also I would like to know more about like peer to peer, um, relationships that that are romantic and then like something changes when there's a status change or if one person moves on to another type of work how does that affect your relationship now um yeah lots of lots of talking points there so i don't know i don't know but we should probably do a whole episode on that probably uh and now i want to move into difficult coworkers. So just kind of like the total opposite to loving your coworker, (laughs) hating your coworkers, um, and, and workplace bullies. So we've, we've talked about a lot of positive things so far about relationships, but like, obviously in every relationship, there's, there's bad with the good. Um, and just as bosses can have a positive impact on the environment of the workplace they oversee or how interpersonal relationships with your coworkers can like give you a support system and improve your job satisfaction, um, whether it's your coworker or your boss, negative conflict at work sucks and it can just like fucking ruin everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a general office dynamic. Like you just don't feel good about your work's social environment in general, or it could be that it's coming from a specific person. Um, Like maybe you've had an especially negative conflict with someone where you've like where someone has crossed a line or where you've crossed a line um, or it could be a bully. Um, And there's kind of an inherent intimidation to this kind of relationship. And it really does destroy your job satisfaction, puts you on edge. Um, And because they're your coworker, and especially if it's like they're your boss, it can leave you feeling really helpless because finding a way out like it's not a relationship you can just leave or cut yourself off from
1: people tend to um there's like a little bit that i read about workplace friendships and uh like their difficulties and people tend to value their socioeconomic like status or like the consistent income more so than they value relationships so if they're in a negative relationship but they have a steady income and they're supporting their family like you're kind of It's two competing values, Mm -hmm. right? So you're unlikely to leave your job just because there's a negative relationship. Um, And then also what you're saying here, it relates really closely to research on uh, workplace culture. Like the reason that I came to the company that where I met you is because my previous workplace culture was. Oh, I remember you talking about that in your interview. Yeah. So toxic. It was so, so terrible. And
0: like it was one main person, but they were superior and they were a bully. And like again, you feel helpless because you're not gonna leave your job. Like you don't just like walk out of your job because you don't like a person that you work with. Like I did. Well but after <laughs> but also how long? I was a young
1: twenty something, yeah. And I was like ready to
0: experiment with my jobs anyway. Yeah. So. But how long did you work there? A year. So you didn't just walk out on your job because That's you had true. a bad interaction with a coworker. Like you you can't just leave that Um, so it is really intimidating Um, and it is like a bully like they intimidate you or control other coworkers to try and achieve what they want Um, sometimes they're like nice to you when they need you when they have something when you have something that they want or if you can help them in furthering their own goal but they don't play fair and there's a lot of dishonesty in that type of relationship and if you haven't noticed so far trust is kind of a pretty critical role uh, in having a good relationship with somebody whatever type of relationship it's going to be if you can't trust the person it's not going to work out um probably uh i read an article in the guardian that put it really well so i'm going to quote it directly here people wrongly assume that bullies have low self-esteem but their behavior is actually a response to some internalized shame although some people who live with shame have low self-esteem those who behave like bullies tend to have high self-esteem, and hubristic pride. They attack others to take away their shame, which allows them to remain unaware of their own feelings. And a sidebar there, hubristic. Oh my God. Great I fucking was, word. I
1: was about to, I was honestly waiting until you finished the quote to just be like, yes, you use the word
0: hubris in like a more complicated form of the word too. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it was really good. I was happy with that. Uh, I want to throw it back to Freud's theory of personality for a second. If you listen to uh, one of our earliest episodes. Episode two. Episode two. uh, Early in life, we form different ways of responding to things like shame. And by adulthood, these coping mechanisms become personality traits. And according to... Uh, that article I mentioned in The Guardian a moment ago, um, some typical reactions to shame are attacking others, attacking yourself, avoidance, and withdrawal. When a bully is threatened by shame, like they look they risk looking incompetent or like less than at their place of work, they will attack others. And in addition to this, people who bullies usually target tend to be more sensitive people who are likely to attack themselves or react to shame by withdrawing and hiding their feelings from others as a response. Um, So a relationship with a bully anywhere, it can be pretty toxic, um, but it can just like wreak havoc on a workplace and on your own personal self-esteem, like if you're that kind of person where your reaction to that is to withdraw or to blame yourself, to internalize, just like, it, it just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing that's sort of dangerous about these kinds of interactions with bullies at work is that. When they attack others, it diminishes the bully's own shame about how they feel and like it makes them feel more powerful. Like their own negative feelings about themselves stay hidden. And when a bully insults or demeans a coworker and the coworker mirrors that behavior by insulting or demeaning the bully in return, The bully will still only focus on their coworker's wrongdoing and won't recognize that it was really a reaction to their behavior. So, like, even if you're not a person to react by blaming yourself, like, if you're somebody who's gonna stand up for yourself, it's Mm -hmm. still ineffective. Yeah. Or it can still be ineffective,
1: I guess. There's so many sidebars that I'm like telling myself not to add here. Oh, I know. I know. (laughs)
0: Relatable F. If you're thinking of like how many, times that it's happened to you or you've watched it happen to somebody else yeah Yeah. absolutely um honestly if you've ever felt like your office is full of like 30 to 60 year old professionals and it feels like a giant playground with computers first off you are not alone and secondly you're not wrong like that's totally what's going on Um, and again to throw it back to freud we learn these responses and reactions as children and they become personality traits in, in adulthood. So some advice, like you're, we're adults now, so we can recognize, or hopefully we can recognize that your bully doesn't really care if they're hurting your feelings or being a dick. Like if they cared, they, they wouldn't be bullies. Yeah. Um, so to like kind of, um, take the high road or, like, get around it, I guess. I would say the the best way to deal with that kind of situation is to, like, know yourself, know your own values in your workplace, and um, unite with your other coworkers. Like, if you know, for example, that a coworker is getting pushed around Try and provide them with some support so that they're not at risk of feeling isolated in the workplace. Or for someone, if you are feeling like you're getting pushed around, like if you feel like you're getting bullied, it's good to find an ally with whom you can like talk through this stuff. Um, It'll like lessen the power that the bully has over making you feel shitty. But with any hope, it could also like curb their behavior a little bit. Like if, if that behavior is being noticed by other people at work, that could be the thing that, that makes it conscious that they need to Mm -hmm. stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also while it's like very fun to joke about adults behaving like children, um, having a bully as an adult, especially in your workplace, that's like, it can be pretty fucking scary in some extreme situations, especially. So like if it's, if it's to a point where you're feeling, threatened, then you need to report them. Like if it's crown- crossing boundaries, whether that be like a professional or a physical or emotional or sexual boundary, you should report it. Yeah. Um, workplace animosity is inevitable, like even if you're friends with the people that you work with, but you no one deserves to feel threatened or at risk in the workplace.
1: Yeah. And I'm just going to touch upon, you mentioned children quite a bit there. Um, the friendship, friendships and acquaintances segment, I was only focusing on adult relationships because there's so much stuff about oh my kids yeah and friendships and like I just want to do that in a whole separate episode so I didn't
0: touch again, on it again. probably like 10 episodes <laughs> right. yeah guys just like let us fucking know please yeah yeah if there's a particular aspect <laughs> to any of of these that that you want to hear about more let us know but podcasting on demand yeah well not on, on demand of, but uh, uh, we pi- will- popular vote yeah, 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 yeah. We will take all of your ideas into consideration and do what we can to make those things happen in a reasonable amount of time. That's a very politically correct... Perfect. It was like diplomatic. Yeah. yeah. That's how you should be at work. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Polite and unfamiliar is what I usually <laughs> go for. Um, okay, so now I want to uh, sort of, I guess, end off my, my workplace relationships conversation by talking about working with family. So again... Another topic that I'll cover pretty generally because it could be its own episode to cover it really in depth, especially since we're going to be talking about family dynamics next week. Where is that going to overlap, right? Whether it's a small or large family business, uh, it's, uh, family workplaces are, are pretty unique, um. There's a different pattern of governance and like authority and management in a family business versus a corporation or another type of non-family run business. Um, So also obviously when all your coworkers are your relatives, it makes for a pretty unique work dynamic
1: yeah I'd imagine so
0: yeah oh definitely um this is as I mentioned I'm pretty familiar with this I grew up on a, a dairy farm that is run by my father oh well when I was a kid it was by my grandfather and my father and now it's my dad along with my brothers uh so I watch like my grandfather slowly retire and leave the running of the farm to my dad and now I'm sort of watching albeit from more from afar uh watching it move from my dad to my brothers and uh Later in life, I went on to work at a store, oddly enough, where I met Taylor. Um, that was based on a family business. It was um, a business that started. I didn't in, know that. Yeah, huh. yeah, yeah. It's it was a business that started in Montreal and then they expanded to Ottawa and to Toronto. That makes um, sense. Yeah, and I worked at the Toronto location. And even though the bulk of the staff at the Toronto location um, were not part of the the family that that ran the business. Um, it still did have a lot of the dynamics of, of being a family business. Um, and knowing that like some of the people who worked there were part of the family was like palpable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nepotism didn't really work in favor of, of the long-term goals of the business in that particular. I've worked at a couple of family companies and there's good dynamics and toxic dynamics. Yeah if you're somebody who like, you're coming into it, maybe not being totally aware of it. And then you're like, like, this is sort of what it was like for me. I remember, um, and, and I've known another workplace like this, not that I was in, but that Taylor was in where it was like, you find out after working there that there is this family dynamic to it. And a whole bunch of things start clicking and being like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's too bad. Like, well,
1: guess I'm never going to move up because yeah. there's like seven kids that yeah. are going
0: to move up ahead of me. Or like, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, there are lots of family run businesses like my my farm, for example, like not going to say it's always easy. It's actually a lot of times pretty hard, but <laughs> <laughs> you make it work. And, and um, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations like we were talking about earlier, like having a clear common goal together aside from all of your interpersonal shit. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important part of it. Um, family-based work relationships mm-hmm. do have a lot of strategic advantages. Like there's a sharing of family language and values and like background that you have with each other. Uh, and it's innate, right? It's built into all of you. Um, and these advantages tend to filter into the respect that you have for one another and the sacrifice, part of me, Sacrifice, Scarface. I think you it. <laughs> sacrifice of uh, of an individual task for the well being of the of the business. But disadvantages come up as well, of course. Like there's, um, if there's a lack or an absence of a common goal for the business, uh, it also being a family workplace can be really challenging. Um, and there's a difficulty, or there can be a difficulty in separating the. Business and family roles and making sure that those roles are clear Um, decisions around what's best for the family and what's best for the business may not always line up with each other. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, of course, about Sopranos, because that's like a really important theme about Sopranos. everybody should watch it uh 2004 article called family business members narrative perceptions value succession and commitment again really, really dull name really academic really article. glad
1: you read the full title <laughs> <laughs>
0: It indicated that over half of all family businesses end up failing before the second successor takes ownership and almost 90% will fail before the third successor takes ownership. So like while there are advantages to running a family business, it's very hard to keep it going. Quick anecdote on the note of succession um and that it is very very difficult to do my dad gave a, a speech to a like insurance conference. room full of insurance bigwigs about um, farm succession because we just imagining papa mckay yeah with his but, belly. yeah oh and he was like a little nervous about it even though like you he's if you ever met him you would never expect him to be nervous about talking ever because he just likes to talk, (laughs) but he was like, he was a little like, oh, but he did it obviously. And he was, he was great. Um, my mom went and was so proud, (laughs) but yeah, because we are like with him running it, it's a second generation farm, but it's becoming a third generation farm. And it is like 90% of businesses, family run businesses will fail before the third succession. So it is a really delicate thing to be able to do a lot of careful consideration and understanding of like the balance between saving for the future and investing in the now to also invest in the future, making sure that everybody is on the same page about where they want that future to be, like having those common goals. So in terms of having like a positive family business, whether you're planning to pass that on or not, those are, those are pretty critical things that, that I think you need to have in place to make sure that it's a, it's a better work dynamic than a negative one. Cause I mean, so the relationship has to be like really, uh, consciously structured. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because like, like we've talked about negative um aspects to any relationship are going to come up like you're going to have disagreements and and conflict within your workplace you're also going to have disagreements and conflict within your family so to throw those two
1: together um,
0: together is is really delicate and and probably part of why it is so difficult to pass it on to the next generation like aside from the next generation even wanting to take it on like you have to have those it has to be a good environment for them to want that Yeah. yeah Yeah. I was
1: thinking about that earlier when you said like there's, okay, so friendships might have like a single layer of complicatedness and then families might have a single layer or uh, multiple layers of being complicated. And then work relationships have layers of being complicated and throw them all together
0: too. Yeah. Like you throw them all together and it's like, God damn, that's a messy pot. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so some, Closing thoughts here on work relationships in general, uh, you've probably noticed that the common thread here is that all of, within all of these relationships, um, at work, no matter what kind of relationship dynamic is at play, uh, it really is about working together. And like, even if you're running the business, you have to work with these people. So, uh, it requires trust Clear expectations, clear communication and good communication, Um, common goals, cooperation, respect and trust. That is what you need to to be effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or that I think that's what you need to be effective based on what I the McKay recipe. (laughs) <laughs> or just like based on what I've what I've researched today, those are the McKay recipe. No, no, you're right. I sorry. Well, you know what? And in my own life, maybe it is the McKay recipe. I feel like those are values that were instilled in me through my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I don't know, did you have anything else that you wanted to uh to add here? Uh, not really. I think we did a pretty good job of covering at least at a glance. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you everyone. Thank you everyone for listening, for, for joining us today. Uh, Of course, do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Who Knew We Didn't on your favorite podcast app. Yeah. It's
1: uh, so important. Sorry. I just interrupted, but it's, I, I'm sure you guys have heard other podcasters talk about this, but like rating and reviewing like actually writing like a sentence about us in the iTunes app is like so incredibly helpful and so incredibly important and also really tough to get you guys to do so if you could if you've gotten all the way here if you've listened to the hour in some odd minutes please 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 can you do it just go to our uh, page in the, the podcast app and scroll to the very bottom of the page and there's a place where you can do stars and also write a review
0: yeah yeah, that would be great. And uh, of course, reach out to us if you have questions or comments or good vibes, anything like that. Uh, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, anything like that. We are who knew we didn't, we didn't at uh, any of those places. You can also email who knew we didn't at com If you want to reach us to, out to us that way, We'd we'd love to hear from you. So did you learn anything today, Marta?
1: Yeah, actually, I learned about the importance of self-disclosure and what a big role that has in relationships. So
0: who knew? You didn't. We didn't. (laughs) I didn't. No. We know now. Okay. We know these things now. Okay. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) Join us next week when we talk about the psychology of family dynamics. Okay, bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.